From the McGrath Institute for Church Life and OSV Podcast, this is Church Life Today. I'm Leonard DiLorenzo. You may remember in the last couple of years the listening sessions that took place in dioceses and parishes as a first step in the church's synod on synodality. Maybe you participated in one of these listening sessions or even helped to host one, as I did. By fall of 2022, reports from those parish listening sessions were gathered at the diocesan level, then at the national level by bishops' conferences, and eventually sent to an organizing committee at the Vatican. At that point, a group gathered to review the reports and write a document on the continental phase, which was meant to synthesize the local and national reports and prepare for the next stage in the synodal process. When my guest today started to look more closely at the methodology of this process, though, he, as a social scientist, started to question the authenticity of the process itself, at least in terms of what it was purported to be. Are we really hearing the voice of the faithful here? My guest is Mark Regnerus, professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Austin, an author of an article published in early 2023 in Public Discourse, calling the methodology of the synodal process thus far into question. In addition to this article written for a popular audience, Professor Regnerus is the author of more than 40 articles in peer-reviewed journals and, additionally, author of four books, including The Future of Christian Marriage. He joins me today to discuss his misgivings about this synodal process, yes, as a Catholic, but more distinctively from his professional perspective as a social scientist. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. So in the article you published at the beginning of January 2023, you brought forth some questions about this document for the continental stage which is meant to calf off one stage of the church's synodal process and prepare for a subsequent stage. Now, before we talk about what's in the document itself, your evaluation of it, I thought it might be helpful if you wouldn't mind to just help us to understand how the synodal process is supposed to unfold and exactly what the place of this document is in the overall process right. as you understand it. Right. That process is somewhat mysterious. And uh, even though... I, and it sounds like you participated in the earliest stage, uh, kind of like when the people, uh, the fee day, are being uh, queried about a variety of things. Uh, even though we participated in that, like what happened after that is somewhat mysterious. I've tried to figure it out. I think I have my head around it a little bit. It, so it begins, well, you know, it begins in the early pontificate of Pope Francis, where synodality was kind of a thing he was talking about quite a while ago, probably already in 2013 or 14. Um, and, and so, you know, now that we're almost a decade into his pontificate, I can sort of see like, ah, wow, it's kind of moving to a head. He was reforming the Curia, and he's talking about synodality. These are kind of two of his biggest things. So it starts with all those listening sessions that most of us had heard about, some of us participated in. I figured, you know, I'm a, I'm a data collector, I'm a sociologist, I'm a Catholic, like, you know, I owe it really to, to go and participate. You know, <laughs> right. if your church is calling you on the phone saying, would you take this survey? Like, 
um, I should probably go. So we, my wife and I did, I didn't have great expectations for it, but I was curious about how it would work, right? With absolutely no intention of writing about it someday, years down the road. Uh, and so it was okay, you know, you're breaking off into groups. Um, uh, they pose a variety of questions. You talk about it amongst your table and somebody at the table is kind of this scribe of sorts, mm -hmm. if I recall. And then they turn it in to whoever's in charge of the listening session. And, you know, they'll pool several listening sessions per parish, multiply that by, you know, a bajillion parishes around the world, things like that. Then you're, you're just talking about like a lot of information from a lot of different sources. Oh, plus then they do like, similar things for the religious organizations, right. et cetera. Right. Um, as well as some unclear number of kind of off the record uh, pooling together of different types, which is somewhat strange to me, but basically like a ton of information. And then it's supposed to work its way up there from there to sort of people who either summarize or they started calling them synthesizers, right? Are they the same thing? I, I don't think they are the same thing. Um, all the way up to, you know, so from the parish to the diocese to the, to the I, I think it's from there to the, the national, Bishop's either the state conference. or the national level, yeah. Bishop's Conference. And then like, uh, I think it was 112 or so uh, gets of uh, those summaries, the national level, get sent to Rome, and then Rome, um, in a process that to me is you know, somewhat uh, unclear. I shouldn't say somewhat unclear. It's very unclear. Roughly 20 to 30 people were picked to get together in Frascati, this town uh, to the southeast of Rome, for two weeks this past September and hammer out a synthesis. Each of them had like 10 to 12 country level synthesis that they were supposed to work through. I mean, the whole thing just sort of seems like a very powerful group of people getting together to kind of convey the Vatican's understanding of what the census fide is, right? The sense of the faith among the faithful. Mm. And that document uh, was presented to the Pope in, I want to say, the, around the 1st of October-ish, and uh, he accepted, etc. And then from there, you know, now it's at the continental phase, where in starting already, I'd say, if not this week, the next week, there, uh, among the various continents, bishops, kind of pan-bishops, pan-conference, pan-national bishop conference, getting together to, so far as I can tell, issue their own report, um, reflections. I mean, to me, I'm, I'm just not clear about like what exactly comes next. So mm. far as I can tell, the presidents of these different bishops, uh, Continental Bishop Conference, are kind of the author of the thing that comes next, uh, although I'm sure they'll have tons of help. Sure. Well, as and you then, said, yeah. Go and then it goes to the, back to the Vatican, I think. Yeah. And I'm not sure who works on it then. Is it Briscotti Group again? to uh, hammer out the instrumentum laboris that then serves as the sort of the, the, the thing that the bishops meet about in starting in October. Great. 
I was just going to say, so as you were saying, you went to one of these meetings, not as not in the in the role of social scientists who's thinking about like the way in which is, this is being done, though. You know, you can't turn that off. You're you're attentive to those. You went as a True. as a Catholic who's who yeah. was basically asked to come and speak and you went to speak. But as you've reflected on this process that you've come to see, you did begin to have some questions about the methodology. So I just want to quote mm-hmm. just a sort of the key line that gets started your article. You said, I have grave concerns as a social scientist about the methodological mess that has characterized this synod's massive, unwieldy data collection and analysis venture. So can you describe to us how this data collection and analysis has taken place and what, how do you, how do you, why do you see it as so unwieldy, messy, and as a social scientist, it would seem unwise? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So back, when I went to the, 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 the listening session myself, um, I anticipated it being a little clunky and, sure. um, you know, probably like, uh, I, this is not the way I would collect data. Uh, but that's, you know, that's fine. There are various ways that people collect data, large organizations, et cetera. Uh, and, and I paid a little attention after that until somewhat recently, um, yeah. I had you know, heard early summaries of the, the Frascati document. Oh, we're at that stage. Okay. And I heard there was a synod on synodality coming up, scheduled for October. So then I finally like, well, let's pay attention to the Frascati document. So I did. I read that and I thought, wow, that's interesting. Then I worked backward from there. Like, okay, what were the steps? After I had weighed mm. in together with lots of other people, what happened, right? So at each stage, there's this, there's a document called the, the Vatamicum, I think that's how you pronounce it, kind of a guide to how this whole process should be worked out. Um, and you can find all this stuff. I mean, you can find the instructions online. You can find the reports online. What you can't, of course, find is, uh, so far as I can tell, like the, um, you know, the, the, parish summaries, mm. the diocesan summaries, I suppose some of the diocesan summaries are available. Um, but it's a frustrating process to me because I can't find back to the original data anywhere, right? And it's not as if it's a problem of deductive disclosure where social scientists say, well, you don't want to be able to read into it who actually said certain things. Well, I don't think anybody's names are written down anywhere, mm. right? So one of the things I complained about in the document is, we just lack all context for people's lives, the people who are saying this, because in the Frascati report, uh, which is the Vatican's kind of take on the whole data collection, uh, they're consistently quoting people, in theory, they're people, but they're just attributed a nation, right? This is from South Africa, this one's from Switzerland, this one's from Australia. Because that's all the information I guess they have. Uh, we have no idea if this is some sort of pious mass attender or some completely alienated person who uh, was invited to a session of alienated Catholics. Because uh, it sounds like such sessions were held. Um, no idea. And so I, I, I'm reading this thinking, why were these people... I assume they're persons selected. Is this what they said? Mm. What are the 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 themes that kind of start to come through the uh, Frascati report? I call it the DCS, the document for the continental stage. That's its technical term. 
um, these the, the the people who compiled it, like, well, what were they? They're reading the, the summaries of the national reports. You know, you keep kind of going back and thinking, what did the original people say? Mm. I'm, I'm a you know, uh, social science data collector. I I really always want to know what the people said, right? Yes, this is a massive thing. Can you possibly get back to what the people said? Well, I mean, there are probably 50 quotes, at least, in the DCS document itself. I guess those were people. Are they somehow representative? Well, why do you care about representativeness, Mark? Well, I'm a sociologist. <laughs> and, and frankly, if this is the census fide, right, the sense of the faithful, um, we want, I, I want to know like what that is and are certain voices being privileged over other voices. And then you start to dig into that and you wind up seeing that the very instructional documents for the whole process and for the synthesizers along the way mm -hmm. are to pay attention to alternative voices, right? Um, which suggests that conventional voices you know, should be ignored. You know, the thing is, uh, you know, I think, okay, this, what is the sense of the faithful? You know, like, what is it, right? Um, which means somehow I want a summary of the whole. Right. Or kind of a, a sense of, well, this component seems to think this, there's a minority holds this to be true. None of that's in here. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's pretty frustrating as a kind of sociologist who wants to sort of convey what's going on. Yeah. Uh, this is why I said, I don't think we have a census fide. I think we have a census marginis, right? In the sense of the, uh, the instructions given to the sort of scribes at the diocesan, and I believe at the uh, certainly at the diocesan level, are, you know, kind of tell us, you know, about, you know, what did you learn about the margins of, you know, who who's at the margins here and what are they saying? And, and, and frankly, and then it sneaks in this sort of assumption that everybody's on board with synodality. So it asks them questions about what is your parish doing or what is your diocese doing um, sort of to, further uh, synod synodal sense or something, mm -hmm. uh, questions like that. And I'm reading, like, what kind of a question is that? Mm. That's like guaranteeing your outcome. Mm. Um, at that point, I just started getting deeply skeptical of the process. I had my concerns at the beginning and then I paid it no attention. And now I think, you know, what we have is uh, not just a kind of a telephone game who, you know, who knows what the person said in the beginning, but we have this process where along the way at each level, the writers of summaries, syntheses are encouraged to sort of pay less attention to a broad sense of the faithful and a far closer attention to, well, what are the people on the margins? What are the people who feel alienated think? Of course, um, you know, I'm a great lover of Catholic social teaching. I wanted to know what they think at the same time. Um, 
the sense of the faithful is going to include them, but be certainly more comprehensive than mm. just them. I just don't think uh, what the Frascati folks turned out was, um, well, I have no idea. I doubt it was. You're not confident it's representative in that way. Representative, highly doubtful. Right, right, right. Um, what it is, I don't know. You're I mean, sure. I basically said, I think we have the opinions of the Frascati group pending the opinions of the, you know, the, Bishops' conference representatives, pending the opinions of, uh, you know, right down to the diocesan and uh, um, parish level. Yeah, I don't know what it is we got. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life today. I'm talking with Mark Regnerus, contributing editor of Public Discourse, professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Austin, and senior fellow at the Austin Institute for the Study of Family and Culture. We're discussing Professor Regnerus's January 2023 article in Public Discourse, where he argues that methodological missteps are undermining the Catholic Church's synod on synodality. As you were just, you know, commenting on in terms of the role of synthesizers at every step here, and then especially in this most recent step, which is seems like the largest step, the synthesizers of all of the reports from the various bishops' conferences and others. Mm -hmm. It seems like in listening to that and also in reading your article, it seemed to me in some way that this is about the power of synthesizers, the synthesizers. That is, those who are making the interpretive judgments about what others say, or perhaps even further, putting their own opinions in, which may not be representative of what others say. Right. So here's my question. It's something that I was thinking about as I was reflecting on what you had written. Do you see this power of the synthesizers as potentially antithetical to the expressed aims of synodality itself? Yeah. I mean, if you think about synodality kind of, uh, I mean, I equate part of it with this move towards uh, democratization of uh, governance and authority and the more per wider participation of the laity in different stages of church life. Yeah. Uh, in, in that sense, it's like, well, a kind of genuine democratization would be to understand what the, you know, the people say, what the people hold to be true. Uh, and so strangely enough, then, at each level, these synthesizers who are kind of expressing what they think, you know, and they're going to be of different varying qualities, I'm sure, um, are, are con conveying something that may very well be sort of a field of kind of the faithful, mm. right? So the kind of this, this, the fact that they keep referring to the census fide becomes irritating because I don't think that's what we've got. Uh, but I don't know since, you know, the, the methodology was kind of uh, hamstrung in the first place mm. with, you know, that's why I say in the piece, well, if you really, really want to know what a cross-section of the church thinks or even alienated persons or people who are alienated from the Catholic church think, uh, there's a way to do this, right? You, you, we, 
go out and we hire a, a pretty good firm with international presence, you select a sample of, of uh, countries, you don't really have to have every country in it because Catholics in, uh, for example, Slovakia are not, you know, they're gonna have some things, quite a few things that are uh, in common with Catholics in France or Catholics in Bolivia or Catholics in Italy. Uh, so you get a sample of country and then a sample of dioceses within the, those countries. In, uh, it's a, basically, we call it a multi-stage cluster sample. Right? You've got clusters of groups who are weighing in. Not everybody has to weigh in. I didn't have to weigh in. Um, <laughs> but what we want to know is sort of what the people hold to be true. Right? Here we have this completely sort of qualitative data uh, data collection project. I, I, you know, I collect that kind of data as well. It's rich. Um, what we don't have a sense is, is of what the people think. Mm. We have what, in the end, the Frascati group decided to write. Mm. And then you start thinking, okay, uh, okay, if you don't have a representative sample of dioceses, countries, participants in a parish, um, what do you have? You have uh, a powerful group of people answering significant questions with the data given to them by an, you know, an equally powerful group of people who were tasked with writing nationals reports, and diocesan reports below them, all the way down to the parish. Yeah. Man. I have zero confidence that we really know what the church thinks from this. As you, I mean, like you said, you've done some research like this before, not exactly on this scale, not exactly on this topic, yeah. but for example, in your 2020 book on Christian marriage, the future of Christian marriage, you did uh, studies of comparable scale and reach and international and whatnot. What kind of, well, I, I suppose I wonder if if relying purely on the qualitative data here, having conversations and only conversations limits the effectiveness of this kind of research in the first place. Do you need some things that are a little, that are, that are more sort of streamlined, almost, yeah. you know, repeatable in terms of you're, you're asking this question and here are the ranges of responses, you know, so it's more yeah. of a quantitative yeah. mark to this is, it, does that does that help to lead towards some kind of summary that's representative yeah. in addition to the qualitative stuff? Well, it, it, it certainly can help so long as uh, you know your quantitative data is collected in a manner that sort of conveys a representative sense, right? You can have quantitative data that's just as unrepresentative <laughs> sure. as in qualitative data, right? Yeah. Uh, and and frankly, we are peppered. Uh, shot through with that kind of data today, right? Non-representative hard data, right? Okay? So, but I tend to think of these two kinds of data as uh, doing different things. So, and I, I, I talk about it in terms of sports. You have your color commentary and you have your play-by-play, -play, right? Mm. The play-by-play -play guy is, uh, is, is kind of telling you exactly what's going on and, and what they're seeing. And the color commentary is like giving this richness, this context to it. So I tend to think of sort of survey data as the play-by-play. -play yeah. And 
Yeah. And uh, qualitative data is color commentary. Now, people would disagree with me. I'm sure that's not new. Um, <laughs> here we have all color commentary and no play-by-play. -play. Uh, there's recently there was sort of a, a study of sort of, kind of among Catholics in various countries what share attend mass weekly. You know, and it's, it's illuminating, right? Nigeria and Kenya were at or near the top of that list. Um, not that surprising to me. And so that conveys a sense of what is going on out there. An even better example related to this, and I mentioned it, is sort of several years ago when the Pew, uh, Pew data collectors found that uh, and it, was, it was a smallish percentage of American Catholics believed in the real presence of the mm. And that shook the bishops, which it should, and I'm glad it did. And you know, because they can have confidence that, given that Pew does pretty good data collection uh, methods, and we can compare it, we can do it, we can do it at a different uh, data collection organizations, so and we can see if they're right or nearly right. Um, the bishops took that to heart, which they should. We don't have any of that kind of data here, right? We don't know what we should take to heart in this. Um, and similarly, right, the bishops acted on this to sort of talk about and uh, move forward a Eucharistic revival mm -hmm. program. Very good, a, an appropriate response to data, right? Here, you know, we're gonna have uh, a, a synod, two synods meet back, back, back to back Octobers uh, to kind of press forward with some sort of plan and some sort of uh, you know, document that the Holy Father will then take and write what he will uh, based on, frankly, we don't really know what's going on out there. Mm. Um, but the Frascati document certainly did convey a sense of bias towards the margins. Um, and as I say in there, it's, it's, it wasn't even like sort of a sense of, uh, you know, bias, you know, sort of a, a preferential option for the poor, right? This was a preferential option for the young and the alienated. Mm. I think it's it's shaping up to be quite a squabble because I don't I don't really understand like what's the what's at stake here and what's going to be kind of debated mm. right I mean I'm very interested to see this instrument of laborus I have no idea what it's going to say um, I would love to and pray that we see some distinctions between the continental synods about like what uh, what they think, right? But, uh, you know, the Frascati group went on the road as soon as they issued this document. Uh, and basically, um, it, it, it seemed to me that they were a bit heavy handed in delivering it to the different bishops conferences saying, here, this is what the Vatican thinks. Yeah, yeah. Act. Yeah, you know, you <laughs> right. do what you're supposed to do, and then I guess endorse it or something. Yeah. So it's mysterious, very mysterious. <laughs> this and is Leonard Dilarenzo. 
Yeah, this is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today. My guest, Mark Regnerus, professor of sociology at the University of Texas at Austin. We're discussing the international synod process underway in the Catholic Church, and in particular, the document for the continental stage that attempts to synthesize the national reports from 112 participating Episcopal conferences from around the world. On the last point you were talking about in terms of uh, this group that you call the Frascati group, the members going on the road and and sort of sharing what they had now published, uh, I think you quoted from one of them who, in an address to the Asian Bishops General Conference, described the document that was produced as, quote, really a kind of census with a C, really a kind of census of the church in the world. Now, it seems very clear you don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so to the, be the a, is, like, what I, would it mean to be a census of the church? In yeah. this case, C, the census of the church in the world. Right. Would it, what right. would it mean to be a census in that case? Yeah, I didn't mean to go after her so no, no, poignantly because no. I usually like to stick to ideas and sure. people. But, you know, she said the word, and so I had to give, give her credit for having said it and then a little bit of criticism. Uh, a census and with a C on it is something where everybody is supposed to participate. There's not supposed to be any sort of self-selection bias. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and I use this sort of Luke's gospel account of, you know, the birth of our Lord, where a census brings everybody sort of together to the, the place of where they are, are from, right? And everybody's supposed to go, right? So same thing happens here in every 10 years. The, the U.S. government sends out a census, and you are, frankly, under, you know, it's the law that you have to participate. Right. Um, that means everybody's in. So we get a sense of what's going on um, in the country, right? And, you know, this last time it took place in the United States during the COVID era, and people were all over the place and like, who lives where? Where do I live? You know, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, the census is always difficult to take. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a thing and everybody everybody participates. That's the kind of goal. What what, hap- what happened here is, is, is not anywhere near a census. Um, it's to your point, precisely, the, the document. Either. Yeah, I mean, that's your is, point, right, is the document doesn't present... Yeah what everybody right. said, it it presents what the synthesizers are saying on the basis right. of what they may or may not have heard people right. say. Okay. But even underneath that, it's right. not a census. It's yes, a, even a, underneath that. A self-selected group of people who some people heard about it, some people didn't, you know, hosted at times that some people could participate, other people can't. Fine, they usually had more than one opportunity. Yeah. But then really, I my beefs are with um, how do you take that kind of information and genuinely summarize it? Because I think that's the mm. best you're going to do is sort of like, well, you know, we had X number of people, X percent talk about this subject or that subject, or people are optimistic or pessimistic, or, you know, a variety of different things. Uh, and, you know, you get the feeling after a while that this was just a show um, and kind of something to sort of be the prelude to uh, giving a document to the bishops to say, here, this is what the people want. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. 
I don't think we know that. In fact, I'm pretty sure we don't know that. Mm. So, so I could have been better. Yeah, no, I, I suppose as a place to maybe draw this to a close is, you know, for people who are listening, who are potentially, um, who might be concerned about what would take place now going forward in a synodal process. Maybe people aren't concerned, but if people who are, um, you know, if you were to think of this again, as a social scientist, like what kind of questions would you hope or direct people to maybe consider that they themselves should ask or become interested in, uh, as they, as we, you know, receive further news or instruction or feedback yeah. from this process. Yeah. Uh, I think, it's one of those things where most people don't have a clue what's going on, right. right? Okay. And and you drop that word synodality and they're like, nothing will put you to sleep faster. <laughs> um, so I think it's important to, for people to understand what's at stake in synodality. It's not mm. all scary. There are aspects to it that are somewhat, uh, you know, I, I make the claim and I think there's evidence for it that, uh, this sort of shift in power, you know, towards the laity um, undermines the magisterium potentially. Mm. And uh, I think the magisterium is, is, is a great gift to the, to the church. And uh, I, you know, it's uh, the, the, the Pope together with his brother bishops. I mean, this is a, this is sort of our top level, um authority structure and so anytime you talk about like sprinkling the laity in and among it well then the, the question arises well who's who's that going to be right mm. um so i'm not you know uniformly nervous about the process of kind of injecting some lay representation and these you know some of these organizations that, that can be helpful but uh you know you take a look at who's in the frascati group mostly theologians doing sociological interpretation <laughs> they said it wasn't sociological but like it is sociological data because it really wasn't theological data right despite what they claim yeah um and then you think wow these are powerful people handpicked by i do not know whom um yeah, it, it makes me nervous that some things are at stake uh, in this sort of later stage of Francis's papacy. Um, and I don't really know what to expect. So what do you do? Well, you pray. You pray hard. You pray. You know, everybody talks about, like, we're punting this to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to move. Okay. Well, the Holy Spirit moves through people. Mm. And so it's important to to pray for those people. Mm. Pray for these bishops. Um Pray for the Holy Father as he sort of works through what results. Pray that this synod, unlike a couple of the previous ones, is a genuine reflection of the sort of tenor in the room and not kind of a, you know, the bishops feeling relatively unheard. Mm. Uh, I think there's a lot of fear out there right now. I think there's a lot of... Um, anxiety about uh, leadership in the church. And so pray for your bishop and pray for the college of bishops. Well, that sounds like a good task to end with. 
We've been talking, friends, today about the ongoing process of the International Synod. In particular, we've been picking up on Mark Regnerus's January 2023 public discourse article on the methodological missteps that are undermining the Catholic Church's synod on synodality. You can find some of his writings at Public Discourse. My guest, again, has been Professor Mark Regnerus, Professor of Sociology at the University of Texas at Austin. Mark, thanks so much for sharing this time with us. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life today. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.